Well, good morning. We are on a journey together as a church and uh, congregation and family, and I just want to share with you, um, we started this as we've been going with a consultant. We've done uh, surveys, focus groups, and and prayer times where we've been asking God to listen. And this is kind of as we come to the end of this where we've been just saying we want to take 21 days. And then as we talk about what is God going to do to reset what does this look like in the future, we just want people to really make space for God, whether you do it through um, eliminating or reducing something digitally or uh, if you do that with food or you do it with some way of um, negativity. How do you build positive, a positive uh, sense of God's presence in your life? Anyway... In, in just hearing that from the elders, they're, they're committed to this. I'm committed to it. Uh, I've been, I'm gonna actually do all three. I'm going to start this evening a three day fast from food and, um, and I just want God to take these next three days in my life and to, um, as I pay attention to my appetite, kind of go, God, I want that kind of hunger for you. And so wherever you're at, um, if you haven't even started or you haven't thought about it, we sure invite you to be a part of it. One of the other things I want to share with you and give you thanks for is financially, we ended the year well, and I'm grateful for that. And by well, I mean it's kind of like if you look at the, our fiscal year, um, the calendar year we just ended is kind of like halftime in a football game, right? We're up by a few points right now. We have another six months before we come to the end of our fiscal year, and um, and you, and you have been so gracious, and God has been so good through you. Uh, we just look forward to what God will continue to do as we seek to um, really allow for people to know what it means to uh, experience His love, His presence, and uh, to know what it means to have the saving saving power of Jesus in their heart and life. So that is um, just something I want to share with you, and thank you. One thing before we. Pray. I want to share with you, we're starting into a series called Unbreakable. We've been in the book of Acts. We did the first four chapters and called that Unstoppable. It is the unstoppable acts of the Holy Spirit through the community of followers of Jesus Christ. That's one way to look at it. You start seeing how God um, had promised he would send his Holy Spirit. Jesus said he'd give it, and then it shows, uh, the Holy Spirit shows up in the church, and God starts doing incredible things. It's an unstoppable presence when God is in your life. When he's in a community of people, he will accomplish what he has promised to accomplish. Now we move into a new kind of part of the series as we go into Acts. Acts chapter 5 through the end of 7, really verse 1 of chapter 8, is what I call unbreakable. When something starts well, let's say this little plant gets growing, um, there are threats that come against it. And as the community of believers are growing, they begin to start having threats threats against him. And what I want you to know with the power of God is you live humbly in brokenness and understanding of his grace and his goodness. You are unbreakable, but you will have attack from within and from without. And if you look at these next few chapters, that's what's happening. We're going to look at this this week and then next week. Um, I'm excited. Peter Kastner is going to come next week and talk about the um, from without. I'm talking about from within uh, this week. And then we do a short break where we're going to talk about a reset. And then we'll move back into this unbreakable um, series and message. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Father, we ask that you would take your word and make it alive, make it rich, make it real. Um, not that it isn't, but that our hearts become alive and rich and real to what you have to say. It is our desire, God, to walk with you. It is our desire, God, not only to be unstoppable, but it is our desire to be unbreakable. 
And it's not that we can do it, but we know that as we rely on you, you can do it. And so we pray this and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who are here, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to um, hear the word of God. And uh, sometimes I ask our people to stand. Uh, there is nothing that is magical in this. It's just a way of saying, you know what? We're going to stand before the presence of God and hear his word. They used to do this in the Old Testament time. They'd stand before the word of God. It says in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property, and he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent... And he kept the rest. And then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell. And to do as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. And catch this line. Everyone who had heard about it, heard about it was terrified. And then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? And yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? This young man, these, the young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly she fell to the floor and died. And when the young man came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband and catch the line. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. I'm going to ask you to be seated. And I'm going to ask you not to lie to me, like Peter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, that's this story is one that you go, whoa. Are you kidding me? This is amazing that someone would come in and, and that God would seem to act this way, which we'll talk just a little bit about. But I remember this, as you read the story, it's really two parts, or two mirroring parts. They basically talk about Ananias, and then it says in, in verse 5, the last part of that, and then verse 11, there's two things that are similar. It says great fear, if you, if you read the NIV, the New International Version, it says great fear seized all who heard what had happened in verse 5. In verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And so you have this fear that comes upon people. And I'm not thinking it's a, there's a fear of God, just like you don't want to grab a live open wire. That would be stupid. You should be respectful of the power in there. There is a sense of fear of the power of God, but we're not called to live in that. We're called to realize that God is who he is, and then we submit our lives in reverence and want to be in line with who he is and the power that's available through him. I often read this and I just ask myself, what if Ananias and Sapphira had a do-over? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, it'd be nice to have that do-over. And for some reason, it's recorded in scripture and it happened and they didn't. Because there are some times that in the midst of what God is doing, there are some consequences. 
It doesn't mean there can't be forgiveness in our life when we make mistakes. In fact, that's exactly what the cross and Jesus Christ is all about. But it means that we need to live with a sense of reverence. And at certain points, there are certain things that we might do or could do, even in a community of believers, that have some consequences where God is using them to teach. So let me just share with you a couple observations. The first observation is this. This act was premeditated. You have to understand that this was not something they just thought up last second. This was a premeditated thought through. In fact, the word in the Greek is the word that uses this little um, uh, uh, part very in the beginning of it called S-U-N. It's soon. It's together they were fully aware and conscious of what they were going to do. That's the idea of this word. It's only used a couple times, one other time in, in, the, in, in Acts. But it's this idea that there was an obs- the observation is that it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't some um, poor financial accounting done by their accountant. Okay, It wasn't that they came in and recognized there was some error. They actually colluded together to do something that looked spiritual. And they weren't lying to Peter or to the church community or even to themselves, which they were doing all those. But the text says in chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Ananias, they say, why have you let Satan fill your hearts? You lied to the Holy Spirit. And catch this a little bit later, in just in that, like a line down, it says, and you weren't lying to us but to God. And here's a thing, I just from a, just a teaching moment for a second, because we in our culture may not understand this clearly. The Holy Spirit is God. Okay? They are synonymous, and they're used this way right here, right in the beginning of Acts. They are one and the same. The Spirit is not an it. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, you don't say it. That That's more like a force. The Holy Spirit is not a Star Wars kind of force that, like, when you meditate, you try and remove everything in your mind so that this force can kind of connect with you and go through you. The whole idea here is the Holy Spirit is a personal being. We refer to him as he in a personal pronoun. And it's the idea that when we come before God, even when we meditate, we allow ourselves to, in a sense, remove the things that are are capturing our mind. As we go through this making space for God, we make space for God so that the word of God can begin to fill our hearts. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you meditate that you you got to be careful and, you, and you're just blank slate. What you're you're a blank. You can say, God, I'm going to kind of clear things out, and I want to listen to your word. Your word always aligned to your word, the Bible. But He fills us this way. The second observation that I want you to note is that Ananias and Sapphira's sin was motivated by pride. Okay, we have to understand that the thing that is that will ruin our relationships. This is why this is so important, and this is why it's recorded in Luke. The thing that will ruin a church community, a marriage, your relationship at work, is pride. And here is pride that has been premeditated. They wanted to look good. It's something that we all kind of, you know, one of the things that kills the church is, is wanting to look spiritual. What if we just said we sold this whole property and, and now just like Barnabas in the chap, in the, in the chapter just prior to this, the, the scripture that came just before what we read in chapter five where they talk about people selling their lands, etc. We want to be one of those. We want to look spiritual. They could have easily just given a portion. 
but they wouldn't have looked as spiritual. You need to know that this was about pride. It was premeditated, and it was about pride. And so here we go into this series, Unbreakable. There are threats. There will be threats to us as a community. There are threats to you in your relationship with another person, whether you're in a marriage or in a family. There will be threats to you in a working environment where you work with a group of people. There will be threats to you if you're on a sports team, if you allow pretending in hypocrisy and pride to begin to rule in that group. You will experience all kinds of difficulty. And so this is how often, if you look at communities, there's ways there are threats. They come from within. And then there are threats that come from without. Persecution and trials. That's what Peter's going to talk about next week. It's what we look at right now, what's happening in our nation, right? There's a within coming almost before that was a without, but now we're talking about within. And we're going to deal with this, this whole idea of from within. The singular challenge that we individually have and as a community that I want to share with you is that we are responsible personally to maintain integrity. It is your and my job to live in a real and authentic and a transparent and vulnerable way with one another. It is our job not to let pride move in the way so that we somehow begin to make ourselves look good or we somehow begin to selfishly grab something that isn't ours because the moment we do that we destroy the very community that God's trying to create you destroy the kind of marriage that God wants you to have and so here's the challenge it's to check your heart it's to it's to call often to examine your your motives because you and you alone are responsible for what's going on in your heart with regard to integrity and moving in truth Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Jesus comes along, and he says it in a a different way. He says, the heart influences everything, so for out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. You ever thought of that? You kind of go, gosh, where did that come from? Well, it came from your heart. Now, this is not to shame you or anything else. Jesus didn't say this to shame anyone. Jesus said this because he said, you know what? Your heart is so important. So if something's coming out here and it's going to impact things out here, you better check what's going on in here. And it may be there's some things that you have to deal with, with wounds from the past. There may be forgiveness issues. There may be resentment. There may be greed. There may be jealousy. Uh, you name it, it's potentially there. And it's not about being shamed as much as it's about recognizing hum- humility. I'm a human being who's sins and I need to come before God and I need you to begin to help me understand these places where I actually want to pretend or lie to get ahead or to look good. We must make truth a priority in every aspect of our life. The word integrity about integrity is the word from integer which means wholeness. It means that you seek to live in such a way That God, as he begins to use the people around you and use your own experiences, begins to help create a sense of wholeness and and eventually a peace and a shalom, which is what the word of God says he came to do for each and every one of us. So we must cultivate a lifestyle of transparency and authenticity, which is just the opposite 
of this kind of hypocrisy that can happen and it begins when people begin to collude around pretending together. And it's not even so necessarily that you've got to be fully aware of it. If you start pretending and then someone else starts pretending and you begin to create this kind of community that is more desiring to look good than actually allow the, 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 the Lord Jesus to make you someone who is good. And that's critical. Ananias and Sapphira knowingly chose to live a lie. And we don't really know if hypocrisy actually entered every area of their life. But we know that it had begun to move into this area of their life. You can imagine their conversation prior to doing this. Yeah, let's sell that property. And they sell the property and they go, whoa, this is a good chunk of money. And they start talking with one another and they go, this is, you know, maybe if we say we sold the property and given everything, it's, it's really not a big deal if we hold back a little. I mean, they're not going to care. They're getting, you know, they're getting like four-fifths of it. So if we keep a fifth, what's the big deal about that? We're just keeping a little bit. But the little bit is really important here because the little bit. Here, here's the deal. It's not the amount they held back. It's the amount of hypocrisy that they begin to. And it even seems like a little bit into the community that has the ability to spread. Jesus was, 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 was really... Um, this was a truth he pointed out often to his, his own followers. In Matthew 16, 6, he says, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. It's this idea that, that a little lie, a, a, little, a little fudging of the truth in order to look good, which is what, what was happening with the hypocrisy of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, it spreads like leaven. And so here's what's going on here. God is protecting his church when it's in its infancy. Because he is so aware that a little bit of hypocrisy, impure motives, a little pretending to be spiritual, destroys relationship. That one degree of difference in maybe that decision you're making that you know is not accurate or true matters. Little lies, slight justifications, tiny rationalizations about an attitude that you carry and you share with someone, or about a judgment you make that begins to cause others to judge and say, they matter. Little degrees matter. And, and, and God knew this. He knew that if it, if it began in Ananias and Sapphira, and that continued, and that moved in the church... It would destroy the very thing he came to create. A place where people could live and be honest and transparent and vulnerable and just be able to say, I don't have my act together. I'm dealing with this. I'm, I'm dealing with greed. I'm dealing with a sense of pride. Little things matter. I was reading uh, in NASA, they, they make this, this, this statement, a small deviation makes a huge difference in your destination, Right? And, and, they, and they talk about send a rocket to the moon and it's only one degree off course at launch. It will only be about 92 feet off course about a mile out. Not a big deal. But at that rate, when it arrives at the moon, it actually won't arrive at the moon. Guess what? It will be 4,169 miles off course. 
Now, now catch this. If that rocket were intended to go to the nearest star and was one degree off course to start with, it would end up being 441 billion miles off course by the time it was supposed to reach that star. And you think again about Ananias and Spider. You know, it's not a big deal. It's just a little bit. We're just, we're, you know, we're just taking a little bit for ourselves. And, you know, it doesn't matter how easy it is to rationalize going in, 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 you know, through tiny temptations and slight degrees. Well, just, it's, it's a little bit of a white lie. It's just a little bit of a sin. It's, a, it's maybe just a few unwise decisions. And when you think about it, no one begins, wakes up in the morning and says, today, today I think I'll become addicted to some kind of drug or alcohol. And no one wakes up and says, today, you know what? I'm going to neglect my wife and children. And today, I think, is a great day to have an affair. It starts with small, little choices off a little bit of degree where you're pretending to yourself. And you're not dealing with what's going on inside. And you end up still looking good to everyone else when you know what's going on in your heart. These big sins begin when we first begin to flirt with little temptations that are little decisions that are little rationalizations. And here's the problem. Too many, when we start out with those little things, don't see the big picture. We don't really see the future, right? We don't really understand what it will lead to. We don't ever imagine it could. We think we somehow have this will, but once the train starts moving and the emotions start moving with it, it just goes that direction. And here's what God saw. God saw that this train could start moving so quickly within the community, and before you knew it, it would not be the kind of community that would represent who Jesus Christ is. Now, no doubt, this immediate act of God's judgment is a difficult thing to, you go, you know, wow, why couldn't they get a do-over, right? There are some times that God intervenes, He intervenes at certain times in history because he has something he's going to accomplish. He is going to end this world, and it's going to be right, and there will be a judgment, and he will bring things all together. He will return someday, and even in the course of that, he sometimes intervenes. In this way, he intervened through Peter. He gave Peter the ability to look at at Ananias and Sapphira and to be able to see what was in their heart. That's a pretty scary thing. Peter saw just like God did. He gave him those eyes. And I think what could happen, some scholars, I don't know what it is, so I'll be really honest with you, it could be that God just came and struck them down. The very word that is used there is the only other time it's used in the book of Acts is when it talks about Herod being struck down. So there seems to be God's interaction here, but so often God's interaction combines with not only our own action and the actions of someone else, and God works through it, and that seems to be what's happening here. It could be that the moment he was unmasked, that's what the word kind of says, the moment Ananias was unmasked, he could have had himself such a surge of, 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 of in his heart that he actually had a heart attack. We don't know. But it's not any less God if it was that way. Same thing happens when she comes back. And the same thing happens. Jesus knows that hypocrisy and pretending, pride and selfishness in a community that seeks to start stepping away from truly or doesn't seek to want to grow more fully. Maybe that's better because none of us are truly fully transparent or vulnerable. It's a learning lesson with Jesus. 
those, if we choose not to move that way, but choose to move the other way, Jesus knows it spreads faster than COVID. Think about that. So it's really important as we look at this passage of scripture, the challenge that I really want to just make to us is, as we move into these next number of months, and as we move into what we're really praying, God, reset us. This is not kind of, we're not trying to like read the paper. God gave this to us before all that stuff was being said. We knew that once God had begun to do this, we knew we were just pause. We actually, as, as a team, sat around and said, God, what are we supposed to do? And we just said, you know what, it's time to pause and let God speak to our hearts. And, and we're going to be talking about resets, but I've been saying, and I'll say it again, it's not like turning on a light switch when we're going to do a reset and everything just changes. We're talking about a process. It's like a computer. You hit the, the button and it's going to start worrying. And as we go through this over the next six months to two years, and then it'll even be longer than this, I believe God is going to work in us and begin to raise up things in you and us that will have an ability to serve this community in the name of Jesus. And I think we're at a really crucial time. And so when I think about this and I think about what it means to be looking at an Ananias and Sapphira, one of the things God is saying to us, I think in a, in a very clear way, here's the challenge. It is your responsibility, not someone else's. Don't get mad at the leadership. It's your responsibility to work through in your heart to live with integrity. And I'm going to share what that means here in a moment, okay? So here's what it means. Some practical ways. Regularly, you need to open your heart to God and to others. One of the ways that we do this is to develop a consistent time where you are alone with God, where you allow God to begin to work through your heart and your motives and truly say, God, help me understand. As it says in Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24, you may want to memorize this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Do you know that for David, who wrote this at a certain point, he got way off course, he got into an affair with Bathsheba, and yet God, because of his heart, still came to him through Nathan. He could have refused Nathan, but Nathan came to him and said, you know what, you need to recognize where you're at. And, and David, because he had a heart that longed to want to have God search it out, was in a position for God to help continue to clear his, his motivations. That's your responsibility. That's our responsibility. And I, and I, I'm excited about that, guys. I'm excited for us. You know, part of the Christian life is just growing up. This is, this is not really profound. This is what growing up is all about. I'm going to take responsibility for how I show up, and I'm going to show up in ways that I'm honest with what's going on in my heart. I'm not here in this church because I want to look good. Everyone's welcome because we know that what? Nobody's perfect. But we also know that Jesus tells us anything's possible. He can actually not only regenerate our heart, he can actually renovate our heart. He can do that not only in this church, regenerate our heart for him. He can renovate our heart for him so that he can do the things that he says he's going to do. And so I look at that and I go, so that's one thing I just said, you know, this is not about having quiet time so you can you know, get a pat on the back from God. This is about having quiet times and say, God, I'm going to get quiet before you. I'm going to make space in my heart because I want you to begin to root out. I truly want to take responsibility for truth in my life. I'm not talking about a truth that goes around pointing your finger at everybody else. I'm talking about truth that points your finger at your own heart and says, God, there's an area that I need to deal with. Okay. There's a few other things here. Okay. Second is that you need to meet regularly with others who will help you be honest. I, I can't tell you how often we talk about the importance of small groups. I was in one recently where, once again, 
one couple began to get vulnerable and it, it just opened the door for everyone else to get vulnerable. I think when we met, no one was coming to the meeting thinking, oh, we're going to get really deep around this. But God knew. And if you're not with people who you can really get vulnerable with and truly get transparent, then your group might not be working the way it should be. And then a third way is that you need to um, maintain your own clean conscience. That means you need to live with peace. That means you need to understand that it's your responsibility to make sure that what's when when you don't experience peace, you need to come before the Lord and understand. Psalm 32, verses 2 through 4, gives you an example of what happens when you begin to tread upon your conscience. David said, David said, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? I just think he's making very clear what's going on within. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in summer heat. David literally was physically and mentally sick due to an unclean conscience. Man, when you start feeling that, you need, to, you need to start saying, God, what's going on? And you might need to invite other people into your heart, into your life. And I'm just going to share with you then the last. Commit to live an authentic and vulnerable life with other people. Just make a commitment. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not, I'm not going to church so that people think I look good or even God thinks I look good because God knows your heart. And more people can see you than you really think. (laughs) Let people really see your heart. Give them a window into your own struggle. That's the way to live vulnerable. What if Ananias, I, I think about this, what if Ananias and Sapphira would have approached this whole thing differently? The way the church was meant to be. Just stay with me for a second. What if they'd approach this whole thing differently? They could have said, as they came to Peter, Peter, here's 70% of the property that we shared. Because there was no compulsion to have to give it all. Here's 70% of the property that we sold. Here's the proceeds. And we've kept 30% for our own needs because we're just really somewhat afraid of some things in the future. And we're, we just, Peter, we're, we're just maybe not that godly to be able to give all 100%. We're tempted to look good rather than to let God help us grow into being good. That would have been honest, that would have been humble, and that would have put them in a place where God could begin to work in their heart and cause them to grow. Because Peter, of all people, had no, no right to get all, well, I can't believe you didn't give it all. Look how many times Peter fell. I'm guessing the church would have gone, wow. And they would have said, yeah, we're all tempted to look good. And I get it. I, I get the, the, the desire to hold on to some, and, and maybe you're not ready to do that. Maybe it is an opportunity for you to show up and, and without pride. And, and you know what? If you give people a window into your soul, it's the opportunity that you're giving them to help God through them or others begin to develop greater integrity within you and greater sense of growth. It could have been all different. They could have, it, it, the do-over, I wish the do-over was what I just told you. Because being 
vulnerable and honest would have put them in a place where God could have used Peter and others to help them grow in their trust. And I am asking us as a church family, as we go through some of these things, we don't need to move to pride. We do not need to move to fear. We need to just show up and say, here's what I'm wrestling. Here's what I'm dealing with. That's the way as we do resets as the elders, we're going to ask the congregation to begin to just to wrestle with and to kind of say, here's what we're wrestling with. And we're asking you to do the same. And at some point, there'll be some decisions or direction given, and we'll ask you to confirm it. We're going to do this all like adults. We don't want to look like our culture, do we? If they could have just been open about their brokenness and flaws, because it's in your brokenness that God meets you, and it's in that place that God begins to develop who he has created you to be. It's all right to say I'm struggling to understand this. I don't get it. I have questions about it. I I do have some fears. I'm still processing this. There's things that you can say to be a person who's processing, who's vulnerable. Things like, here's how I'm feeling right now, or I'm in shock of what's happening right now politically. Those are all okay things to say, rather than to have to maybe take a prideful stance just to say, here's what's going on in my heart. I'm afraid. Or I don't get it. Or I haven't studied this much. I don't know. But God does, and he will lead us, and he will direct you. So I'll leave it there. I'll come back up. So we're going to do a couple things. We're going to sing. And and some of you who are online like like to go sometimes when we sing. I know about it. I've seen. (laughs) You guys are captive. You can't leave. We're going to sing, and I'm going to read the last part of the scripture before we end. So... When asked to, we're going to go into this. So let, me, um, let me let me set up this video. One of the things I wanted to do for us as a congregation is to recognize as we move into MLK Week and with all that's been going on, and we um, celebrate the life of a man who made um, an impact in our country. Um, when this whole stuff happened back in the end of May and June. I remember praying, God, we need to be connected. And what was so cool is that God was already connecting people in our church with other churches down in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. And I just want you to hear one of their leaders and how God has been working over the last X number of months. Someone's better at math can do that for me. But um, to hear how God has led us in that as we celebrate together, how God has used um, um, this whole movement in, in our history. So I am... Andrea Habeisen, I'm the pastor of prayer and worship programming at Wyzetta Free Church, and I have the privilege right now of introducing Deacon Andre to our church family. We have been praying together with Zion Baptist Church in Minneapolis and Faith Baptist Church, and Deacon Andre is part of Zion. He leads our prayer times every Monday from noon to one o'clock, and God has been uniting our hearts, and Deacon Andre, I just want to welcome you and introduce you to our congregation. Well, thank you, Pastor Andrea, and uh, I'm excited, okay? I bring you greetings from Pastor Brian Heron and Minister Rhonda Heron. They are excited about the relationship and that God has plans for the three churches. And we didn't know what, but we knew God had plans. He's already begun to speak to us about the Joshua Walk. And we're planning to go out here in the communities to the roughest areas that had the highest crime last year and and just walk and pray in those areas. Right. 
And we're, we're believing that God's going to decrease that crime in those areas. Right. We're planning on going to the police precinct and praying for the policemen. And we're believing that that's going to bring unity to them to know that people are out here praying for them mm-hmm. and that everybody's not against them. But we're just excited to, to do God's work and to spend time praying. It's so important that we spend time praying before we go and take action. There's a scripture that we, we say at the end of our church service. We say that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than what we can ask or think. More than what we can ask or think or pray for, according to the power that works through the whole group who is coming together and praying and getting on one accord. So we're, we're very excited and we believe uh, the best is yet to come. And I invite those that was that a free who have not participated. We're doing Zoom calls from 12 o'clock to one. Come and join us. 